turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Good morning and welcome into the Bruce Hooley Show. Jack Windsor here, Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Press Network, filling in for Bruce Hooley. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, hey, I want to open the phone lines right away and call throughout the day. Here's the question for you. What's your favorite Christmas tradition? What's your favorite Christmas tradition? Some of you might watch Christmas Vacation. That's a little risque, right? Uh, But I have several friends who just love watching that. Uh, They'll start on Thanksgiving night and watch it multiple times up through Christmas. Some of you might like the old-time cartoons, those claymation characters. Those are a lot of fun. Or maybe it's uh, you like baking a cake for Jesus and celebrating the morning of Christmas. Uh, But I want to hear from you. What is your favorite Christmas tradition? Now, I want to start in a way that we usually don't. This This is a good thing. And uh, I got a message today from uh, Mark Weinstein. He is a friend at Cedarville University. And the email says that below is a news release that was distributed on November 27th concerning an eight-year-old boy from Ohio. His doctors who were treating him for cancer were not confident he would live to see his ninth birthday on December 12th. That was yesterday. Well, Andrew Miller celebrated his ninth birthday yesterday with the love of his family, and then I'm going to save the rest of that. But the news release that was put out, bringing joy, sending birthday cards to a terminal patient. Hope springs eternal for Andrew Miller, an eight-year-old boy from Conesville, Ohio, who is battling two rare and aggressive forms of cancer. With his birthday approaching, his family and friends are hoping the young boy will receive 1,000 birthday cards on or before his ninth birthday on December 12th. Now, I saw this on my Facebook feed. I'm wondering if you did too. Rebecca Unkefer, and this is why my friend at Cedarville sent it, she is in the neighboring community where Miller resides, and she's assisting with the birthday card campaign, and the goal was to shower Miller with love. And again, Unkefer is a freshman at Cedarville University, and she is studying nursing. And the cancer battle has been difficult for the Miller family. Making it even harder is that it is not the first one for this child battling cancer. Their oldest son is now fighting cancer for the third time. In spite of various health issues the Miller family has faced, they continue to fight because they know, quote, God is with us. And here is, uh, I want to play cut seven. This is Rebecca Unkefer explaining why she put together the birthday card campaign for Andrew Miller. They should do it because it's a great way to love another person and encourage them that in your darkest moments, it is so encouraging for other people to reach out and show that they care. We were to put ourselves in Andrew's place and his family's place. 
we would really want the encouragement as well and the love and support as well. So are you ready for the news? <laughs> he celebrated his birthday yesterday, and he did it with 14,000 of his closest friends. He was hoping for a 1,000 cards for his birthday, but as of last night, he had received 14,000, and they are still coming. Well, maybe you want to send a belated birthday card, or maybe you want to send a Christmas card. Andrew Miller's address is 16905 Township Road 287, Conesville, Ohio, 43811. Again, that is 16905 Township Road 287, Conesville, Ohio, 43811. Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R. Happy belated birthday, young man. I hope that you continue to get showered with birthday cards and Christmas cards. That is a fantastic story. And I'm grateful that Mark Weinstein at Cedarville University shared that with me today. Uh, let's see. Ohio House Bill 68 is in the Ohio Senate Committee, the Government Oversight Committee, today. And it may be voted out. You'll remember that's the proposed law put together by Republican Gary Click of Vickery. Now, he's a representative, not a senator, but that's where the bill started was in the House. And that aims to prohibit minors from being prescribed puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, gender reassignment surgeries, and also keeps men out of women's sports and private spaces. Again, the Senate Government Oversight Committee has the bill. And it may come out of that committee today. State Representative Click will join us today at 1235. So you don't want to miss that. Set an alarm. He will be here and we will be discussing this bill and also the poison pill that many were worried would be put into it and find out if it was and uh, what the what the projections are as to whether or not this would get over the finish line. What a Christmas gift that would be, protecting our kids and protecting women's sports. And if you want to weigh in, and when I say weigh in, I mean if you want to communicate with lawmakers, that Senate Government Oversight Committee, if you go to ohiosenate.gov and search committees, the Government Oversight Committee has uh, Christina Rogner, she's a Republican, Niraj Antani, Republican, Paula Hicks Hudson, Democrat, George F. Lang, Republican, and Rob McCulley, Republican. So four to one. Um, again, though, not every Republican votes or acts like a Republican, but it certainly appears that all things being equal, this bill should get out of committee and get a, get, get a vote, get back to the House where it can be uh, finalized. I think that's the process, but we'll check in with Gary Click on that. And don't be afraid to call these senators. Don't be afraid to send them an email message, which you can do right on that site. Um, they listen. They listen. And uh, this, these are, th this bill, House Bill 68, is, is critical. It's an important piece of legislation, particularly given the fact that Issue 1 passed uh, not long ago. By the way, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that uh, Lisa Chaffee will also be here today at 12.06. She is going to be involved in 
a special that airs on Newsmax Sunday night at 9 o'clock. I'm going to let her tell you her role in that. She's been very active in Hilliard City Schools. She's been on the show before. I've interviewed her for stories uh, that deal with parents' rights, that deal with protecting our kids and raising the flag, the warning flag on activism in our schools. So Lisa Chaffee will be here to visit at 1206. Another big story, we may talk about this uh, throughout today. Hunter Biden was in Washington, D.C. today, but he skips a, a deposition ordered by lawmakers and condemns impeachment in, the impeachment inquiry from the lawn of the Capitol. He didn't go in. Uh, President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, staged a, pre- staged a press conference on the doorstep of Congress Wednesday to condemn a House impeachment inquiry into his father and defy a subpoena demanding he testify in a closed-door deposition. He said, there's no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. Now, when he says no evidence, I wonder if he's talking about the 20 phone calls that have already been admitted to, that his dad was on with business partners. Now, they're trying to tell us that he talked about the weather. And I jokingly said, man, my, my dating life in my 20s would have gone better if I could have talked about the weather all the time and not been so awkward. <laughs> 20 phone calls. Give me a break. Uh, the second thing is we reported at the Ohio Press Network last week that 56 pages were turned over to a House committee. And in those pages are email messages from Joe Biden dummy accounts. Accounts that he had that had maybe nondescript names, and they are two Hunter Biden business associates and other people that certainly imply and implicate that he knew more and knows more than he's leading on about Hunter's dealings. And then, of course, you'll remember the groundbreaking story that we talked about yesterday where there's a $40,000 check written to Joe Biden from Sarah Biden after Hunter had received $400,000 from the Chinese energy company. And remember the contents of Hunter's laptop? H holds 10% for the big guy. It fits that formula. So we have an admission of phone calls. We have emails from dummy accounts. We now have checks. But according to Hunter Biden, there's no evidence to support the allegation that his father was financially involved in his business. Now, Hunter was scheduled to answer questions in a private hearing room in the House, but instead appeared before a podium outside the Senate to plead his case. Now, why did he do that? I'll tell you why he did that, because he wants a public hearing. If there's a public hearing, then that limits the time during which someone can be questioned. If it's a closed door hearing, an attorney has up to an hour. Uh, So why do you think Hunter Biden wants a public hearing? I'll let you figure that one out. Welcome back in to the Bruce Hooley Show. Phone lines are open, 844-825-5989. That's 844-TALK-989. I want to know what your favorite Christmas tradition is. Do you have one? I'm looking for ideas too. You know, we're a blended family. And so 
I did stuff before I was remarried and my wife did stuff before she was remarried. And sometimes you want to carve out your own niche, right? And do something cool, do something fun. So you're helping me out here too. I'd, I'd love to hear what you do and why you do it and why you love it. Or maybe you have a tradition that you just don't like, <laughs> but you probably wouldn't want to say that on air, would you? Nonetheless, uh, give me your calls. And you may want to weigh in, by the way, on any of the plethora of topics we're going to cover that we've covered already. We've talked about Hunter Biden and uh, his grandstanding, really. I mean, what he's doing is he's saying, I want a public hearing. I have nothing to hide. Well, no one in the press is really going to report that. Maybe the maybe the Washington Times will. We will. That he's doing that because it limits the time uh, for which he can be asked questions. And if you were around yesterday for the story that we broke on Sarah Biden and that entanglement of financial relationships with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Democrat donors over three decades that actually led to the discovery of a check written to Joe Biden for $40,000 after Hunter Biden received $400,000 from a communist Chinese energy company that's tied to military intelligence. I mean, not only is this potentially pay to play, but it's compromising on the world stage. China is our biggest enemy. China is the biggest enemy of the world right now. And Joe Biden and Hunter were in bed with China figuratively. So you may want to weigh in on that. Maybe you want to talk about Rebecca Unkefer from Cedarville who's doing God's work there by having cards sent to the young man whose birthday was yesterday, Andrew Miller. And I gave you that address. Make sure that you send a card, Christmas or birthday. What a great idea. Rebecca, thank you for doing such a wonderful thing uh, for, for a young man that needs the love and support right now. So <clears throat> I often say that public sector unions or government unions are monolithic in their support of progressives and Democrats. Well, public sector unions spent high an Ohio election cycle almost entirely on Democrats' recent records show. You can find this at theohiopressnetwork.com. Ohio's government unions ignored political diversity among their members and earmarked 95% of their political spending for Democrats, according to Andrew Holman. Public sector unions spent $6.2 million in the Buckeye State during a recent election cycle, with the Ohio Democratic Party receiving more than $1 million, according to a new report from the Commonwealth Foundation. It's the sixth most money spent during the cycle in any state. Ohio's government unions ignored the political diversity among their members and earmarked 95% of their political spending for Democrats, said Andrew Holman a policy analyst at Commonwealth Foundation. I hope this report inspires members of the Ohio Education Association, AFSCME, Council 8, and other Ohio public employee unions to demand union executives do better because they certainly deserve better. Nan Whaley and Tim Ryan were the recipients 
of the most contributions. Both Democrats, Whaley ran for governor and lost to Mike DeWine, which, by the way, isn't it interesting? She ran on abortion and lost in Ohio. Yet issue one passed. Ryan lost to J.D. Vance in his race for the U.S. Senate, uh, maybe a point or two shy from what Donald Trump has traditionally won by in the Buckeye State. Now, the report is titled The Battle for Worker Freedom, How Government Unions Fund Politics Across the Country. And it found that the four largest government unions are active in every state. Now, you can download that PDF at theohiopressnetwork.com. The National Education Association, American Federation of Teachers, American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, that's the AFSCME, and Service Employees International Union spent $708 million on politics during the 2021-2022 election cycle. They spent the most in Illinois, $27.9 million, uh, 24, almost $25 million, $24.9 million in California, $13.2 million in Minnesota, $12.1 million in Pennsylvania, $7.5 million in Washington. And these five states accounted for nearly 60% of all state PAC expenditures. Government union spending through political action committees at the state and local levels totaled $145 million during that same election cycle. The report found that nearly 60% of all union political spending comes from union dues while government union-connected political action committee contributions accounted for about 40% of the political spending. Member PAC deductions must be voluntary but automatically deducted through many states' taxpayer-funded public payroll systems. PAC contributions were heavily one-sided with 95.7, almost 96% going to Democratic candidates and organizations across the state and federal elections. The report concludes that the spending of government unions influences states nationwide. Armed with millions of members and numerous special legal privileges, the four largest government unions have amassed significant political power, the report states. With this power, government unions have dedicated significant financial resources toward maintaining and expanding the legal structures from which they derive their power, which is why we are grateful for the Freedom Foundation and their support of the Ohio Press Network. The Freedom Foundation helps government employees opt out of their union. Go to optouttoday.com. That's optouttoday.com. When you're there, you will see how simple and seamless it is to opt out. You are going to save on average $1,100 per year given Bidenomics. That's real money. And the better part is I've been saying it. Maybe you didn't believe me. You're going to withhold that money from union bosses who are giving it almost exclusively to Democrats and progressives. These are the people that are running our economy into the ground, our country off a cliff, and trying to poison the minds of our kids in schools. And you can do something about it. Thank you, Freedom Foundation, for your support at the Ohio Press Network.